All right, welcome back to another edition of Podcast Recovery. I'm your host, Eric V. Uh, David is a little bit under the weather and won't be in today, but we do have our guest, Mark. So, Mark, how are you doing today? Yeah, not doing too bad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so, where are you from, Mark? I'm from Ireland, just outside Belfast. Oh, cool. All right. Well, um, when were you introduced to recovery? Um, I was first introduced to recovery on April 3rd, 2019. Um, my last bet was April 2nd, 2019. Awesome, dude. That's great. Um, so that was my next question. How long have you been in recovery? Um, but you answered that one. So uh, I guess, you know, whenever you're ready, you can um, you know, tell your story. Yeah, um, I'll start at the beginning, I suppose. Um, I mean, I started gambling probably like anyone else in the, the UK or Ireland on the Grand National, which is one of the biggest horse racing events in the world. Um, it's kind of over here, you know, it's like every man, woman and child has a bet on the Grand National. It's just the dumb thing, you know. Um, that and seaside amusement resorts, you know, sort of, I don't know what you would call them over in America, penny fall machines or 2 yeah, yeah. machines, that sort of thing you know I, I don't blame any of that for my addiction but that's probably the first time I can really remember gambling but it started really for me once I turned 18 you know I, I opened my first online account which over here you know is where that started to really boom online um, but it was still it was small fun bets you know I was working part-time I was finishing off um, in school so there was nothing too serious and I would say it lasted that way for about three years you know, Friday nights, I was sitting in the house on a few bets on horse racing, soccer, say that there was nothing serious. It was all all in control and, and all affordable. I would say once I got a full-time job in Belfast, I started going to the bookmakers with other people from work during lunch. And around the start of 2008, 2009 soccer season was probably when I had the first moment of, you know, things are going to be different from here on out. Instead of doing small bets, I decided to just do one bigger bet at twenty pounds, and on three soccer teams, and it won the first time I did it. The only time it won all season, of course, but I think it won between like one hundred or two hundred pounds. And from that point on, doing small bets didn't give me the same sort of buzz. I felt like I had to up mistakes and you know continue betting at that level of twenty pounds, which doesn't doesn't sound like a lot of money, but you know whenever you're still young and just living paycheck to paycheck. You, know, oh, yeah. you get a few bets wrong and, and things can go bad. And, you know, that sort of was where it started for me. I would, as I say, I was young. I was going out drinking with my friends the weekend. I was, you know, partying, doing whatever. And I was taking out payday loans to cover that. And my gambling, which was getting bigger and bigger, um, credit cards. And then I was using those basically as the sustainable lifestyle. Um, I even remember at one point I went to a check cashing um, premises near my work, which the way it worked was you'd write out a check for a hundred pounds and date it to your next payday. And they would give you 90 pounds there and then. Um, mm-hmm. I did that twice and had, so I had 180 pounds in my hand, literally walked out and about four doors down was where the bookmaker was and put it all on the horse. The I assume was a dead cert favorite. Dead man, he was called. He hadn't lost the race at that point and he fell. <laughs> and I just remember feeling so depressed and walked back to the check cashing place and got another 90 pounds so I could go out that weekend. Mm. You know, 
things like that that now looking back going like that was a red flag but at the time you know I just thought it was bad luck more than anything you know it was it was one of those things and it was weird too because none of my close friends gambled so I didn't even have anyone to share the story with or to tell or and I would have been quite honestly embarrassed to say like I lost all this money but I sort of just started to keep my gambling to myself becoming more secretive about it so during all this, I was still living at home, so I, I had no real outgoings or anything. I gave my mum and dad some money for rent, you know, it was like £100, and the, the rest of my money was pretty much my own, apart from car insurance. Um, then, it, around that time, was, looking back on all that period, it was kind of hazy, but I moved in with my friend for a year mm-hmm. before I met my, my current partner, who I'm living with now. You know, and again, it, that there was probably the sort of first taste of real life I had had to pay my portion of rent for the food for, you know, all of a sudden there was a lot less money I had available to me and something had to give. And I decided to gambling, I would just stop doing it. So I self-excluded from a couple of online accounts. Um, but that didn't last for very long and I started opening up more of them. You know, I just sort of, I missed it. I think, you know, again, I was sort of thinking to myself, this, this is a bit of fun. You know, I'm not doing anyone any harm by gambling. You know, I was taking out loans and payday loans and credit cards, but I think in my own mind, I thought this was more, this is what young people do, you know, I'm not worried about my credit rating. I wasn't thinking of starting a family or anything anytime soon. I was single. So why not? I'd say about a year after I moved in with my friend, I met my current girlfriend and partner who I'm living with now and moved in with her. And I, I thought, right, well, this is going to be even more into the real world, having to pay pretty much for everything. And got a second job at a Greyhound track of all places which wasn't the, the brightest idea. You know, I was working for £20 a night on the Thursday, Friday and Saturday and after every shift, I was probably spending 60 to £80 betting on the Greyhounds so I wasn't making any money at my second job. I was just losing it. Hmm. And it, not long after we in with her, I had a credit card and I managed to increase the limit to like two grand. I remember sitting in the bookmakers just withdrawing cash until it was maxed out and just betting it and I lost the whole lot. You know, it was... Uh, Again, the red flags were coming up, but my head was pretty much firmly in the sand. April 2012, we had our, our son. Um, and around this time, a, a partner found out I'd been using some of her savings without telling her, and I was using the money to cover bills or to gamble with. And it wasn't a lot of money, but it was the fact that I was taking the money without telling her. And she was pretty pissed off, obviously, whenever she found out. But I managed to smooth that over, and she took control of the rent money, food money, you know, um, electric, things I got there, which turns out to probably be a blessing in disguise because, you know, if we fast forward to now, I, I never really, we never didn't pay our rent. We never went without food. You know, she was in control of the main bills. I was just left in control of my own money. Mm. It was, but that, that situation taught me how important it was to be secretive about my gambling. You know, if I was going to continue doing this, she couldn't find out. And I also realized I was also pretty good at manipulating people and I would use that to my advantage, you know, towards the end of my uh, betting career, if I would call it that. The end of 2013, I went on a crazy run of luck, you know, betting away that actually ended up paying for a holiday to Portugal. Hmm. There's only two occasions where I can really remember winning money. That was one of them. And the next was December 5th, 2015, the biggest ever win. A five pound at a five pound free bet on three horses, um, and it returned over three and a half grand. Ooh. And that was like that was the biggest win I've ever had. Used the money to decorate baby number two's nursery 
I bought a PlayStation 4 and give her some money and my parents some money and the rest, they just gambled away. You know, I say baby number two, that, that was my daughter. We had her in 2016. And around that time, the gambling was starting to approach danger levels, you know, and I thought in my head I could figure all this out. I would even say, you know, like I was gambling while my partner was in labor, you know, just sitting on my phone, just mm. gambling online on whatever sort of sports. At the end of 2016, like I say, the, all that run up was, is kind of a haze as I, as I look back on it. But from 2016, whenever it's still pretty clear in my head, two things happened. One, my Bet365 self-exclusion ended after five years. And two, I managed to get an overdraft of £2,000 from a bank. Uh-huh. And that's when the wheels really started to fall off. Now, Bet365, if I could describe it to you, it's like the perfect betting app. So it is everything about it, just the way it looks, the way it runs, just the whole thing. It, it's it's the best betting app, hands down. Um, and from that point on, everything I did was online. So it was, and my daily routine started to become betting on soccer all day. So I'd wake up in the morning, start betting on Asia, or football in Asia, mm-hmm. move across the globe into the Middle East and Eastern Europe by lunchtime, Africa in the afternoon, UK and Ireland in the evening, and then I was falling asleep gambling on South American soccer. Wow. And all of this was, was in play. So what that basically means is, as opposed to, you know, before the game kicks off, picking my bet, I was actually following the scores live as they were happening and making these bets in play. So it would be things like over 0.5 goals in the first half for, you know, Team X to score the, the first goal. And that 365 have this little graphic that sort of, shows you what's happening in the match. It's not a live picture sometimes they do, but normally it's a little graphic of like a ball being moved around the pitch. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting watching that. So that, that was my daily routine from sitting and work doing this at my desk, doing absolutely no work at all. Um, and then I say coming home, ignoring my family pretty much. You know, I say I've got two young kids by this stage. You know, I, I was there in person, but mentally I, w- I was just focused on gambling you know they were just starting to get in the way of my gambling I couldn't wait to get them to bed I'd sit down on my phone or with my laptop I would just be gambling away and at this point I was betting on pretty much anything Chinese volleyball basketball I'm not just talking about NBA Philippines basketball Raider Shine Elasto Painters were a favourite team of mine ice hockey from Sweden from Russia tennis um, and tennis would eventually become the downfall in 2019. R- really? Tennis? Yeah. Yeah. Tennis was, uh, it, what I loved about tennis, I'll probably touch on it a bit later on, but what I loved about tennis was the speed of the game. Soccer was 90 minutes. That was far too long. Tennis, instead of betting on a match winner, I was betting on the winner of the first set and eventually moved on to the winner of the next game. Oh you know, that's the sort of markets that I was looking at. And, and I was kidding myself into thinking that I can, by watching the same graphic, apart from it was a tennis net, you know, with the ball going back, I could try and judge momentum on what way a match was going and who was going to win the next game. And I'm not talking about Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal here. I'm talking about ITF tennis, the lowest of the low so, standard of tennis, like players ranked outside the top 500. Oh my God, really? Oh, yes. So, like, you Very wouldn't... Would you vote like uh, I mean? Would you gamble on? Um, all right, so let's look at someone like Isner, right? So like I played tennis for yeah. a long time. So you would look at Isner and be like, "All right, this is an easy bet. I'm I'm going to bet every time on his serve." 
what I would do, the likes of John Isner, the thing I would do is tie break in the match. That would be my go-to bet. And I would sort of try to do, this is what I was going to say about my style of betting. You know, I, I wasn't someone who was putting on massive amounts of money mm-hmm. at any one time. My style of betting was more, I'd deposit £10 or £20 and hopefully I'd, I'd run that up. I'd get enough bets in a row to get to a couple of hundred and then I would increase mistakes. Yeah. But the minute I lost that amount, I would be straight back in, depositing more, depositing more. So although I wasn't putting, say, £200 on one bet, I could have gambled away £200 in one afternoon, you know, but just in smaller amounts. But whenever you say about Isner, that would be my bet. It would be a tie break in the first set. And if it won, I would roll all the money over to tie break in the second set. And if it happened to come up and it went to a third, I would all the money onto the tie break in the third set. That's how I would sort of deal with, with Mr. Isner and any other big servers. Yeah, no, I, I can see how you would do how tennis, like being someone who played and taught tennis for a long time, I, I see how you could just look at the serves and like you're betting completely off serves. But wow, that's okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I just got yeah, lost there the for problem a second. Is the odds obviously reflect the, the fact that isn't there to hold the serve is going to be a terrible price? You know, maybe mm-hmm. one to eight, one to ten, if not worse. What I'd then be looking at is going, you know, well, what, what price is the person to break the serve? How's the game been going? Trying to judge, like, they look like they're about to break serve. And once you move out of the top players and down into the lower ranks, serves mean very little. You know, the, these people can't hold their serves as well. Yeah, Breaks of serve become, happen much more often. And I was sort of trying to use that to my advantage, but I was just basically betting blindly. You know, I, I probably knew more, more about tennis players in the world than a lot of people, but I didn't know exactly what I was doing when it came to betting on it. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of the way I was gambling through though. It was, it was the small amounts, but in my head, if I had money in my bank account, I couldn't settle until I'd lost it all. You know, as long as I had money there, then I had to gamble it. That's what it was there for. I was reluctant to buy anything, you know, of note for myself. Even when it came to like how I was eating, I was living, I was barely buying lunch for myself and work. I would buy like a packet of biscuits and an energy drink at the start of the day and eat those. And, you know, I was always worried about my partner asking me to go to the shop and I'd have to be like, going, well, I've actually got no money. And then the questions would be asked as to why. But every sort of penny that I had was going to gambling. And I started to feel like, I had to have a bet on at all times. The minute I woke up, the first thing I did was put a bet on. Whatever it was, wherever in the world, there was something on in play, and I would bet on it. I actually look back before I ended up stopping gambling there, and on my bet 365 account, within six months, it staked 35,000 pounds. Now, that's not that I lost 35,000, but the total amount that I turned over on my account was around about 35,000 on that site alone, and bear in mind I was using maybe five to ten other sites at the same time. So I was gambling nonstop, just constantly, and, and I was hemorrhaging money too. I would say in that six months I probably lost about two to three thousand pounds. But you know, the, the figure of thirty five thousand shows how much money I was, you know, gambling each time and how, and how often I was gambling. My partner was completely unaware of all this. You know, the rent was always paid, as I said earlier. Money was always there for food, the electric, heat and oil, things like that. She was in charge of all that. I was in control of the rest of my money. You know, I was bouncing direct debits. I was figuring out, you know, I could bounce this one month, pay it the next, and bounce this other one. And I was just, like, not only was it gambling, but then I was trying to juggle my own finances, which were, were getting worse and worse. 
I was borrowing money from friends and lying about the reasons, you know, would be always something like, oh, my kids, you know, my kid was sick, so I was off work unpaid and could you lend me this to cover a bill? And, and that's, that's probably one of the worst feelings coming into recovery is, you know, everyone lent me the money because of the trust of what I was saying, you know, and, and I completely abused that trust, which and I think actually what probably makes it worse too is the fact that they've all stood by me after a minute I had a problem. But that that's something that I'm going to have to deal with in recovery. Hmm. At the start of 2018, um, I found what I thought was the holy grail of making money when I was gambling. It's called match betting. I'll quickly explain it here, but it's basically taking advantage of bookmaker offers. So say you sign up to a site and it's you bet £20, you'll get a £20 free bet. If you bet the £20 on their site, say on the New England Patriots to win, yeah. And you go on to what we have over here is a betting exchange and you would lay the New England Patriots there, which is basically the New England Patriots not to win. So either way, you're gonna get it you're gonna get it right. Um you'll make a small loss on that, but then you'll have the twenty pound free bet. And if you do the same thing at bigger odds, then you can actually make money off the free bet. I don't know if I explained that great, but um no, it makes sense. That's kind of the way you use. So if you do that often enough, you can make money and it's the same with all their offers. So I started doing that. I even told my partner about this because I thought it was just, it was foolproof. And for the first few months of 2018, it was going great. I was barely gambling myself. I was doing all these offers. I had money. Um, making a couple of hundred pounds each month. Hardly any risk. And it all went to shit in July of 2018. Went over the summer. A lot of the offers dried up because there was no soccer on over here. Um, and match betting had introduced me to the casino side of things, which I'd never been interested in online. And oh, in July 2018, I lost three and a half grand on roulette in 24 hours, which I, and I didn't have three and a half grand. I deposited the money via PayPal using the direct debit option, so it wouldn't actually come into my account for a couple of days. And they allowed me to deposit three and a half grand into my Paddy Power account. Um, with without checking my bank account and I lost a whole lot on roulette. That was probably the, the beginning of the end for me. You know, if I ran out of money, I would use anything I made from match betting to gamble to try and make back this three and a half grand that I had that had lost. You know, at that point too I promised to pay to have our uh, our living room in the house decorated. Told my partner, yeah, I'll do that. This'll be great. You know, making this money we'll have more than enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I got to actually pay for the decorator, I had to go around to mum and dad and lie to them about needing to borrow the money because I made a mistake when I was match betting and told them some bullshit and they lent me the money. And it was at that point too, I won about a thousand pounds on an NFL bet and I was sitting in my partially decorated living room with that money thinking, well, if I just withdraw this, I could pay back mum and dad, I could buy some Christmas presents and everything would be sort of okay again and I could look at my other debts as the time comes and instead I just lost a whole lot playing roulette again. Just sitting, like I just have that image of me sitting in a partially decorated living room looking around me going, this money could fix this and just gamble the whole lot. Um, let's see, now we're about to get into, I'm sort of getting towards the end of 2018. I run several NFL fantasy football leagues as well. I've done that since 2015. 
a lot of close friends with them, but some Americans that have met through other leagues of mine are in it too. I don't know if you're in the fantasy football. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I run dynasty leagues. So they're you keep your same team year after year. So it's normally the same group of people. And I was in charge of I was the commissioner of those leagues, and I was in charge of the money. And every year, I pretty much gambled the money away, but I always managed to to pay out people on time somehow. But coming to the end of 2018, there was no chance that I'd have the money to pay people what they were owed. So that pressure was starting to get onto me. I had three and a half grand hanging over me. I was at other debts that had built up over the years. And like my mind was just, I was just in a terrible place mentally. At the end of 2018, I actually started to lurk and then posted on the Reddit problem gambling sub. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to people there and I thought to myself, you know what, if I could just stop this casino stuff, I'm focused on match betting and sports gambling. I could be okay. I could actually make the money and, and get out of this situation, which worked for about two weeks. And then I just went off the rails again. I, say, I was lying to my friends and my family about needing to borrow money. And before, I'd always have paid them back on time so that I could actually use them again, you know, to borrow money. So even, at, even in the early days, I was manipulating people that way by saying, I know if I borrow this money off and pay them back on time, they'll think I'm good for it and lend me the money again. But this stage, I, I couldn't afford to pay people back. I was making up excuses, you know, and and the pressure was just getting to me. Going into 2019, I was completely consumed by gambling. Every waking moment was either betting money or if I ran out of money, I was doing budgets to try and work out, you know, how I can afford to get through the month, what, what they need to do, who do you need to borrow money off, who can I ask to borrow money off? And I, I was literally doing zero work. I was just sitting at my desk either betting or panicking about what was about to happen. And I said, yeah, I was, I was flat out at this stage on the tennis betting. So it was just the, the next game winner and it was quick. And I say it was the ITF tennis and it was just, you know, these unranked players. Well, one story I have from tennis is I actually bet on a game where they had one ball the whole game. That was it. There was no new balls. There was no ball girls or ball boys or there was just one ball the whole game. And every time they faulted, they'd go down the other end of the court, pick it up, knock it back over the net, and serve again. Because they actually had live video of this on Bet365. Wait, wait, wait. I was so, wait, there's a bet on just, what, the ball? No, no. Um, the, the match that I was betting on, yeah. they, they, they only had one ball. Instead of having you know, the way they'd have maybe four or five or no, six yeah, balls. Yeah, of course, yeah. They only, only had one ball? ball. <laughs> one ball the whole game. <laughs> that's That's absolutely wild. <laughs> I know. And there was me gambling on it, thinking this was great. And another one seemed to be played at like in a park, and there was a duck and all flew onto the court, and I had to suspend play while someone came on and chased the duck off. And like that, this was the level of stuff that I was betting on. And the markets were there every day. You know, there was matches every single day from all around the world, Kazakhstan, you know, in the outback in Australia, there've been terrible tournaments in America, Spain, you name it, every day. Those are available. So then I suppose I may as well get to the weekend priority April 2nd, which is when I had my last bet. I'd just been paid that week. Deposited some money in the bet 365. I managed to get my balance up to 910 pounds. So that was on the Friday. If that 910 pound would have cleared some of my urgent debts, people I'd owe money to from the fantasy leagues, I probably could have continued on gambling. And I said to myself, that's it, I'm withdrawing this once I get it to a thousand pounds. All I had to do was win 19 more pounds on Friday. It was going to be easy. And I lost a lot by Friday afternoon. 
I think I lost three or four hundred pound on Ben Wapair. Um I was just betting on his match and you know, and mistakes were getting out of control. I was just chasing losses. Then on Friday night I deposited whatever money I had left to try and win back the money. And I won back some of it, but it wasn't enough. I wanted to get back to nine hundred and ten pounds. And I went like that the whole weekend. On the Saturday, I had a family anniversary dinner to go to. And I sat on my phone the whole night, ignored everybody. Just sat on my phone gambling the last couple of pounds I had in my account on tennis, just trying to get back to where I was. And I say, eventually, the, the money ran out, you know. I could have actually made it work financially and gotten through that month by lying to people again. But mentally, I was gone. It felt like, you know, if my head was an airplane, I was just in a nosedive hurtling towards rock bottom. Mm. So I sat down on the Monday and I wrote down a list of all my debts, who I owed money to, what a budget would look like without gambling. I looked up where um, my nearest 12-step meeting was and just looking at it all in black and white, I owed 18 grand. Um, and the money wasn't really the problem. It was how I actually felt inside. You know, I had two wonderful kids, a wonderful partner, and I was just wasting my life completely by gambling. Um, so on the Tuesday, I found a set of balls and, and told my partner. Um, I was a mess when I told her. I fully expected her to kick me out. To be honest, I wouldn't have blamed her. I cried, said, you know, how sorry I was and showed her the notebook of all who owed money to. And then, you know, she amazingly, she took it well and, and said that she was willing to stand by me. But left me under no uncertain terms that if I was to go back and do that again or go back gambling again, that that was the end of it. We'd mm -hmm. be over. Told me to phone my parents around, call or telephone my parents, get them to come around. And I told them. Turns out actually whenever I did ask them to come around to our house, they assumed I was going to ask them to borrow more money, <laughs> which was pretty much what I was using my parents for that whole time. It was just as, a, as people just to give me money to bail me out of situations. Again, they were supportive too, you know, and then I told all my close friends, uh, told the ones who owed money to in the fantasy leagues. And, you know, I just, that, at that stage, that was me. That, that was April 2nd, whenever I started to tell people. Yeah. Self-excluded from all my online accounts. We have a thing over here called GamStop, um, which it's basically like a mass self-exclusion. If you sign up to it, it'll self-exclude you from the majority of sites in the UK and Ireland. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, that w which is handy, you know, and that was that's for five years and self excluded for for that. Went to a first G or uh, twelve step meeting on the third of April, which was a Wednesday. Now that doesn't suit. Monday is my night now. I go every Monday, but uh, I felt like I needed to get the one SAP while I was still in that sort of frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how I got into recovery. I don't know if you want me to talk about recovery or if you want me to um. leave it at that point. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about it for a few minutes, um, and then we can get to uh, the questions. You know, where yeah, where yeah, are you at with your recovery today? Yeah, well, I mean, I've I feel like I'm in a really good place for recovery. It's it surprised me to be perfectly honest. Um, I sort of felt like you know this was my I had to throw everything I had into it. You know, when I went to my first GA meeting, the the guy in the in the room said to me, "If you." could have as much effort in the recovery as you put into your gambling, things will work out. And, you know, and that, that that stuck with me. So I started to go to, to the RSA and then I've got another group 
of people who meet over Skype from all around the world. Um, That's cool. I think there's, yeah, I think there's maybe like 20, 20 of us in the group now. We have a WhatsApp group. And there's meet there's it's up whenever I first started back in April there was one meeting a week there's now three meetings a week. Um, I'd say we've got someone from Australia, India. There's people from America, Canada, all over, um, and and it's really good as well, you know. And it's great to be able to connect that way for, from in your own home. Got a sponsor now too, uh, who funnily enough I happened to contact back in at the end of 2018 through. Um, uh, got his details through Reddit and we chatted over Skype, just texting each other back and forth. And I actually looked up the messages there recently and it was me pretty much trying to convince him that I'd be able to control the sports side of things <laughs> and that there was no way that I wanted to get into, uh, I didn't want to go into GA because I, I had this, this preconceived notion of what a 12-step recovery program actually looked like. It was going to be a bunch of old people sitting in a church or a room beside a church, um, miserable, talking about how much they want to gamble. And, I, it, you know, that's that's what I had in my head. They were going to be trying to drag me to church every weekend and all this here, but nothing could be further from the truth. You know, whenever I went in there, it was such an amazing place. Met so many good people there. And it's it's all, it's it's a life program. You know, that that's what I started to realize, that it's not even about my addiction now. Mm-hmm. It, it's me how to yes the stop and gambling that's the easy part it's what do you do with the rest of your life because you've stopped gambling how do you stop going back to it and, and that's what these people whether it be in the 12-step program or or escape means that they're, they're showing me i've started writing a blog too about my recovery um been doing it since towards the end of april and i find that it's helped me a lot um and i think that's pretty much a lot of the recovery and doing listening to a lot of podcasts like your like your guys ones only found it about a month or two ago and I've been listening from the start trying to trying to catch up. Um and I find that extremely helpful. You know, I I, I wrote down here actually one of my favourite quotes because I've seen it early on in my recovery and it stuck with me that you know, since then at some point there is no excuse. Either you want to do everything it takes to make it happen or you don't. And that's something that I think about Every day, you know, if it comes to the stage where I'm going, I can't be bothered going to this meeting tonight, you know, that I want to do everything it takes to make it happen. The next bet won't be about me losing money. It'll be risking my kids and my family. And that's not a bet that I'm I'm willing to make pretty much. And that's that, that's it. I'll, I'll leave it there, I think. Yeah, that was, that was great, man. Um, <clears throat> great quote as well. Um, so, all right. Well, I have a few questions. Um, yep. So the first one is, you know, online gambling makes it so accessible to place bets. And I, I imagine that even with the stop gambling, um, you know, thing that you signed up for, I imagine there's loopholes to get around that. Um, so, you know, with, yeah. with smartphones and with laptops and with tablets, how, how do you avoid the online gambling? Like how, how does that not become a trigger when you're using a device? There are loopholes around GameStop. I don't know what they are because I haven't decided to look at them. I know there's a few sites that aren't covered by it, but to basically get around GameStop, you have to lie about your details when you're signing up. So, in my mind, I'm thinking, right, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And if I want, if I, and, I, and this is obviously in, in a 
in a thought process of if I win and try and withdraw, which wouldn't happen anyway, but if it did, that's when they'd ask for my ID and they'd realise that it lied on the signing up and then they would withhold the money and all the rest of it. So there's that. The other thing that I think I figured out pretty early on in recovery was acceptance. I've accepted that I can't bet and I've accepted that fact and I'm happy with it. It's not about the gambling industry having to change. It's not about the gambling industry having to coexist with me. I have to learn to coexist with it. You know, so although if I'm on Twitter and, and things I like got there and I see an advert for gambling, I've actually, it doesn't bother me now. Um, I think at the start, it was, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, again, there's, there's a lot of these, but now it's just another advert. There's plenty of adverts on TV I don't pay attention to or online. Gambling is just another one. Yeah, 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 of course. And I'm, I'm sure as your your habits change, the algorithms that produce the ads are going to also change. So the less you, you know, look at those things, the more, you know, whatever pops up, like, uh, you know, a vacation destination you want to go to or, you know, some clothes you want to buy, that will then replace what you previously were searching. If the algorithms yeah, yeah. work correctly. Um <clears throat> But that's, you know, that should work. So I guess moving on to the next one. Um, so fantasy sports, right? Like, I enjoy fantasy. Um, I think we bet on it. Um, I think for one of my leagues, uh, I give like 50 bucks or something. I never win, so I'm just kind of donating the money. But do you consider fantasy sports, like, is that considered gambling for you? Like, um or like, how do you view fantasy sports? If you'd asked me this question about a month in the recovery, I was like, fantasy sports isn't a trigger for me. It's fine. I'm going to still do my leagues. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, what, what harm is it? You said to me a couple of bucks. I, I genuinely don't feel like it's a trigger for me. But the longer I was in recovery, the more I realized that, you know what? It's gambling. I am I am staking money to win money. That's That's what it is. You know, now I was in the unique position of having stolen the money from my league mates. Mm. So I didn't want to just bail on the leagues. So I have come up with the ideas that I play for free because I run them pretty much as a as a fee for me running the league, setting them up, doing all the commissioner work. I play for free, but I'm not able to win any money. That's mm. the, the other side of it. So there's just basically 20, 20 pounds less in the pot. If I happen to win a league, then is it we're going to all vote together for a charity that it gets sent to. And that's the, the situation or the, the decision that I've come in or come up with for my fantasy leagues. Okay. It's maybe not the everyone's teams. You know, I think if that was, if I suggested that in my 12 step program, they'd probably be like, it's still gambling. But you know, I'm not, I'm not staking any money. I can't win any money. I enjoy fantasy sports for a hobby. No, I, I, I like, I like fantasy, right? Like, um, I get really into, you know, fo- like um, like the NFL when it starts. Like, you know, yeah. I almost care more about my fantasy team now than I care about my, I mean, I still care about my home team, but, and I, I care about them a lot, you know, but the fantasy team almost takes precedent over the actual team. So I guess, you know, with fantasy, just kind of continuing with the fantasy question, is there, because I know how I look at my phone all day, Is are you going to have like issues kind of like looking at your phone or being like not present in a situation because of fantasy football or whatever other fantasy league you might be in? Will you be more engaged with the fantasy or will you be engaged with like what's going on in life? 
No, I think that, you know, I'd say fantasy football, it genuinely for me is a hobby. Um, it's something that I enjoy doing. You know, on a Sunday, I sit down and I watch the NFL. I'll have red zone on from, from six o'clock our time here. So the one o'clock games over in America, right the way through to the end, I sit up and watch Sunday night football. Mm. You know, my partner knows that I watch NFL. So the kids are in bed by that stage. If anything, fantasy is actually more of a social thing because I've got all these WhatsApp groups with all my league mates and we're messaging each other and that's how I keep in touch with people. So it's probably the only thing that really survived when I was gambling yeah. was these connections with people via fantasy sports. Um, so I don't think it's going to become a problem, but where I think my mindset's now changed is if I can see fantasy sports becoming a problem, I think now I'm honest enough to be able to say this is a problem that I need to remove from my life. That's that's awesome. Um, so, all right, so about midway through your story, you were, you were t- talking about like the honesty and the secretism, like being secretive during your um, your gambling. So how have you learned since entering recovery to be honest with your spouse and with your family? Um, I think I pretty much know that my partner, especially um, mom and dad, aren't going to fall for any of my bullshit anymore. I think that that's been one of the biggest realizations. And for me, you know, I want to be honest to people. I sort of touched on, I think, in the, in the story too, when I said about, you know, I was lying to friends and family to borrow money mm-hmm. and then they were trusting me because that's what I was saying. And then whenever I admitted to them, I've got a gambling problem and I owe these people money. And I said, listen, I'll pay you when I can. And they were like, that's great. I'm really proud that you've admitted you've got a gambling problem. Pay me whenever you can. You know, they're all supporting me. It's like, There's only really so many times you can throw that back in someone's face before they're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with you anymore. So it's almost in my head, I'm going, you know, I'm trying to prove to these people that have changed, um, that by them standing behind me and supporting me, they're doing the right thing. You know, for me to start lying to them again and to fall into the old habits, they'll just disappear and I'll be left on my own and I, and I don't want that. Mm. No, yeah, of course. Um, all right, so... So you were talking about, I mean, you were talking about a lot, the vol, like the Chinese volleyball and, you know, talking about like, like Kakistan and like all these countries. And you're talking about betting from one side of the world to the other during a day. Um, now, I, I mean, I know basics about gambling. I'm not a huge like gambler, so I don't know like full details. But one question I have is, you know, like I follow sports a lot. Like I, I listen to sports podcasts all the time. I watch sports. Um, you know, I watch like ESPN and all that stuff and, you know, get my, my sports and news. So did you manage to keep up with a lot of these sports that you're, that you were betting on, or are you more just betting on lines and like different things that were coming up? Um, you know, were you keeping up with any of this? Yeah, there there was certain sports to say that the tennis became a big one where, you know, I was gambling so much on tennis, I started to know these players, I started to, you know, be like, oh, that person came, you know, that person did well the week before in a tournament, so they must be in good form. Mm. Things like that. Obviously, NFL, I was pretty up to date on a lot of the, the major leagues in soccer. But it was other things, you know, like 
the um, uh, the Singapore uh, Premier League for soccer. There was always goals in that, so that was always like my go-to bet. Like I know there's goals in this league, so I'll bet on goals. A first half goal in the Indian Premier League, always a first half goal in India, so I was betting on that. So it wasn't that I was really, you know, I had no idea who these players were or or, or what form these people were in. It was almost like I know that there's normally goals in these games, so I'm going to bet on goals. Yeah, and vice versa. Then other times when you're talking about like the volleyball and stuff, I had no fucking clue what I was doing with that. It was just because that was probably the only thing that was on. And I needed to have a bet, so I was putting money on it and hoping that, you know, I picked right. <laughs> oh man, there's some like I know right now with like this time of the year, like the August time frame. I know at least like here in the states, like there's nothing. There's just baseball. So like, yeah. So that's when over here. Yeah. So you're just betting on like what badminton and volleyball and like curling or some shit. Like yeah, I mean like there was baseball too, but. Japanese baseball was on as well, so it, it was quite handy to have a few bats on in the morning. Ah, okay. Huh, okay. Yeah, there's, sports, there's sports everywhere, you know, and, and it was on, even whenever you got into basketball, like, there was the Australian basketball was on, so I could bet on it in the morning. And, like, tennis runs, you know, 12 months of the year, pretty much, even these lesser tournaments. I don't think tennis pretty much takes a break. So there was always some tournament on. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, it kind of takes a break from, like, the U.S. Open to the Australian, but there's still stuff happening. Um, just kind oh, of... Oh, that's, that's the top-level stuff, but at, at the lower level, there's tournaments every week. Yeah. You know, and all sorts of different, in all sorts of different countries. So that's that's where I was going. You know, I used to love, like, Mondays and Tuesdays were the best because that's whenever the first and second round would happen and there'd be loads of games on. But the further you got into the week, when it was starting to get into the quarterfinals and semifinals, the games were more spaced out. Mm. And I was like, I want more tennis to bet on. And I always hated like the weekend when it was the finals because there was hardly any tennis. I was almost looking towards the next week for the qualifying to start for these other tournaments to bet on that. To bet on the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, even, no, even yeah. the lesser tournaments, some qualifying rounds. So, so I guess... So describe that to, like, so I, I think I understand the feeling, right? So, like, you're looking, what what's that sensation that you're kind of getting? Because, I mean, you're betting all day, so you're feeding this urge. Like, can you kind of describe that, that feeling that you're trying to, you know, feed? Whenever I have a bet on, um, I, I feel happy. I feel like, you know, I, I'm focused on an event, whether it be the tennis or the soccer or whatever it is. You know, I'm staring at my phone at that wee graphic on the screen with money on it and going like, yes, this is what I can focus on until it's over. Once it's over, it's like there's a void in my life mm-hmm. that I have nothing now to look at, you know, and that's that sounds ridiculous now looking back because obviously I've got two kids. I had a job to flip and do. Um but I was like, I needed the next thing to bet on. I needed to just go straight on to the next thing. Like I could find myself the minute about one, the the website I used was pretty good at settling bets quickly. I was straight on to the next one. If a bet looked like it was going to win, I was already looking for where I would bet next. You know, this wasn't some sort of money making exercise. Money was just the fuel that kept me gambling. Oh yeah. And then once it was, well, once I ran out of money, I was just empty. I just had this 
empty void in my life. You know, I would sit up until my pay hit my account at one in the morning um, and immediately start depositing on the, the betting site to start betting again because I'd maybe went a week or two weeks depending on how quickly I lost the previous month's money without a bet. You know, so I could, I actually went for, you know, small extended periods in the month because once I ran out of money and couldn't borrow any more money, I couldn't gamble. But I was waiting for the next thing to happen. And obviously I was becoming more irritable and angry and just, just, I was a miserable person. I don't know if that described it no, well that, enough. But, that you know, describes the, it perfectly. Like I can completely yeah. relate to exactly what you just said. You know, this filled a void inside of you. And, yeah. you know, that, I totally get it. Like that is like, that's perfect. Um so I, I guess you, you talked a little bit about money right there and, um, you know, how, how money was just the fuel, you know, like if you had money, you wanted to spend it on gambling, you know, how has your relationship with money changed since entering recovery? For the first couple of months there, um, it's still pretty terrible. Um, my partner has control of the majority of my money now. Um, I have two bank accounts. She has the apps on her phone so she can see any transactions if I made them. Mm. She can, she's got the app for one of them, sorry. The other one, she just checks my phone on a weekly basis. But all the direct debits come out of the one she's got access to. In the other account, I get money for petrol. The money to do me for the week, which works out about £25 a week. Um, and I, I smoke any cigarettes, so the money to get my, my oil and stuff from e-cigarette. So... That's basically what I'm in control of. And for the first few months in recovery, I was just burning through that money on crap, going out for lunch with people. Just, you know, the first week, it was almost like I had an explosion of like, all right, I can't gamble, so I'll just buy random shit. You know, buying loads of chocolate, going out for lunch, say, coffees in the morning. And my relationship with money was still crap. I was still just wasting money on things that were needless. This has been the first month, I would say, that I've been better at it. You know, I've sort of said to myself, no, you need to be strict. I, I don't need to be spending money on stuff I don't need. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that doesn't make me happy. I just do it. So I started, I think it was, a, you know, it was like one of my friends in work, I think, was doing it, you know, for good reasons. He was asking me at lunch, you know, come out for lunch with us and stuff. And I wasn't saying no, because he didn't want me just to be sitting there knowing that I had a gambling problem, you know, alone for lunch or whatever. Yeah. But now I got this day, I'm like, no, it's okay. I can't afford to do that. Um, I'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, th- this has been the first month where I've probably been a lot better with it. Um, staying within the means, but there was a sort of month or two there where I, I'd spent all my money. I get paid monthly, so I'd spent it all in a couple of weeks. and was like, no, I, I have no money left now for the rest of the month. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a hard one. The The relationship with money after seeing money as just, you know, just like a means to get everything you, you know, not like necessities, but to fuel your addiction, you know, looking at it from a new light, it takes some time, right? Um, I know it took me years before I was like, okay, we're good. Um, so like, even if it, hmm? you know, if I was just the money thing, like I would say I deposited 20 pounds in my betting account. I would do that without a second thought. But 15 minutes before that, I could have been looking at a sandwich that costs £3 the shop and going like, I'm not spending £3 on a sandwich, I'll just not eat. You know, like that's the way. I was almost like, I wouldn't 
wouldn't spend my money on anything other than gambling, but I wouldn't be bothered about throwing money into my online account, no matter what amount it was. No, of course, right? <laughs> no, I understand that. That's, yes. Um, so I guess, so this is something I always have a question about, like, um, you know, with people, uh, you know, who have other addictions, like, you know, gambling is a big addiction, um, you know, and you kind of talked about it, like, a little bit with kind of filling the void, right? Um, so this is kind of a two-part question. So the first part is, have you, you know, filled that void with any other addictive tendencies since you've stopped gambling? So, you know, pick your poison on what that is. And then also, because of gambling, gambling is an addiction, are you worried that you, you know, being prone to addictive behaviors might pick up something else and become like, you know, and that might become a problem? Yeah, if I could, if I could pick one, well, probably two things would be that, that that relationship with money that I had at the start. Mm-hmm. I would liken it to an addictive behavior. I still had that feeling of I have money and I wasn't settled because I have money in my account. You know, I was always used to having no money, so I was spending it just to get rid of it. And chocolate would be the other one. I was never really a massive chocolate person, but since I've stopped gambling, I find myself eating a lot more chocolate than <laughs> than I ever did. Um, which isn't anything serious, but yeah, I, I, you know, I am slightly concerned with the, you know, getting started on another addiction. I say I have an e-cigarette, so I've obviously got a bit of a nicotine addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I drink, um, I don't drink very often, but if I do, I have a couple, you know, I don't, I've got two young kids, so I rarely go out for a drink or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. the first couple of weeks, um, in recovery, I find myself buying like a case of beer, each weekend and I was going to myself, no, hold on a second, that that's not even go down that road. That's just, yeah. you know, there's, there's no need to be doing that on a regular basis. So that's limited now to maybe once a month or once every other month or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, a lot of my tendencies, like if, it, you know, Netflix is a prime example, like I, I just fucking binge watch stuff, you know, if I, yeah. I see it, there's a, yeah, like that, I don't know, that's what it's sort of built for, but like, I haven't seen the Hunger Games, like, Oh, at any point there. Knock that out a couple of weeks in like ago. half a day, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, hold on, there's the Hunger Games, but they're all on here, one after the other. You know, that's, yeah. that's how I go. That's how I roll with things. If I see a series, it's like I need to sit up and watch it all. I got, I, my dad gave me a book yesterday. Um, it's called Tony Ten. And it's it's a really good book about uh, a guy in Ireland who gambled 10 million pounds by stealing from the post office. And I read the whole book yesterday. Like, and I, the last time I read a book was probably in school, yeah. but I just couldn't put it down. But I don't know if that's some sort of, you know, like that's almost a compulsion. Like I had to keep going. I had to keep going. I couldn't settle until it finished. I was sitting up to like three in the morning reading it last night. No, I, I dude, I totally get it. Especially the Netflix thing. Um, oh man, I will binge a show so fast. Um, but yeah, yes. Netflix, like, right, I, I watched Russian Doll yesterday. I, like, I knocked it out in two sessions, just like that. Um, but, all right, well, that's that's pretty much all of my questions from me. So the next question is from someone uh, from Twitter. So um, this, and, like, I'm going to mispronounce the, I mispronounce, like, every single one of these um, people's handles. 
but it's from AJAS, and let me look up the correct, um, Mauritia, I believe. It's a country in South somewhere. Um, how, how did you pronounce it? Mauritius? Yeah, that. Um, yep. So he asked, um, or sh- like, he asked, uh, why are alcohol and or gambling addictions viewed as being taboo in some cultures and countries such as his? Um, so what, what, are your, what are your views on that as far as, you know, the taboo nature of, you know, any addiction, whether, you know, gambling or whatever else um, in different cultures or different countries or if you've experienced that in your country? Um, I think that, you know, in other cultures, I suppose, gambling, you know, I know that there's, I think it's in India, you know, gambling's illegal. So there's certain cultures where it's, you know, it happens, but it's illegal. So there's no real people speaking out about it there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if Mauritius is the same, but like I even find, you know, uh, over here that there's more people talking about it, but I just don't think people understand it. You know, like there's this attitude almost if, well, why don't you just stop? Yeah. You know, like why, why would you keep doing that? But, you know, people seem to understand more now, like, oh, that guy's an alcoholic mm-hmm. or that person there's got a drug problem. And, you know, that they can almost, they can understand the issue now. Like they, they're addicted to that. But whenever it comes to gambling, people are like, Oh well, just stop. You know, I mean, you're just losing money. It's it's stupid anyway. It's supposed to be entertainment and all this thing, but I don't think people understand how it makes you feel. You know, and that's exactly. why I think people were afraid to speak out. Like there's there's a good analogy for it, which I think sums up how powerful gambling addiction can be. If if you if you put somebody in a room with a hundred grand worth of heroin, there was a heroin addict and said, "Take all that in twenty four hours, they'd overdose." If you had the same day an alcoholic with their favorite drink, they'd overdose. If you did that day a gambling addict, you'd have it spent within an hour and be asking for another hundred grand. That's there's no you know, there's no end point for a gambling addict. That's true. There's no there's no there's no overdosing and it's so secretive. You know, you could see someone who's got a drink problem or a drug problem and notice changes in their behavior. It's harder to do with a gambling addict, especially with online, you know. This whole, the whole time I was telling my story there, I was pretty much present at every event, looking after my kids in the same room as my partner, in the same room as my mom and dad, and no one had a clue. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I mean, I know, I know from like um, at least he, where I'm, where I am in the in the U.S. Like we see it, gambling addiction is definitely becoming more mainstream. Um, as a talking point, I mean, alcohol, like alcoholism and drug addiction, you know, there's still moments where it feels taboo. Um, you know, like I'm, I keep my anonymity, for example, um, from work. Uh, you know, I'm, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, letting people know that about me because of the judgment or whatever, you know, I didn't just, not the just, but I didn't, you know, I was a, I, I did a lot of drugs. So, you know, I get worried about what people think by, about that. But also with like gambling, because so many casinos are opening up, at least around here, I'll see billboards all the time about gambling addiction. But you're right. Like it's not talked about. 
as much as you know drugs and alcohol um but yeah the the like why can't you stop i think that that's going to take time with the general public and re-education of people on how mental illness works for people to understand why people who suffer from like different addictions can't stop right like there isn't just a switch in our brains that says like all right well i should stop doing this like we're programmed yeah. to do that because we've you know our brain chemistry just works a different way than other people's and until there are like there, the education has changed for the general public to know how that works um but I, I i see it happening and that i mean that's encouraging and i hope that happens like all around the world you know yeah like you know even whenever i was at school you were told like the dangers of drinking too much alcohol or taking too much drugs and the dangers of, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. Nobody ever mentioned gambling. You know, it, it's it's the new it's addiction true. now. And I think a lot of people are starting to pick up on it. And with the way that America is expanding its gambling operations with the online starting to become on, like legal over there and things, like it's going to be the next big, big addiction. Oh, yeah. Because that's how it works, you know, and that's, and it's, and it's going to be tough because it's so hidden. And it's so easy to do online, you know. At least if you're going to to a casino, you're you're kind. Of, although people do that and they're able to hide it and lie about their whereabouts, at least you're missing. Yeah. You know, somebody sort of going, well, "What? Where? Where have you been?" But if you're doing it online under their nose, you know, no one's going to be thinking anything's wrong. That's so right. Like, like the accessibility of online gambling is kind of like that's crazy. Like <laughs> to think about that, it's yeah. always there. Um. But that stop gambling site, that, I mean, that sounds great that you can, you know, at least take that first step to put a blockade up between yourself and those mechanisms. Yeah, that's like for anyone who's got an online gambling problem, you know, gambling stops that the, the first thing you should be signing up to, you know, and it's to say there, there's ways around it, you know, if people are going to gonna try and find those out or use them. Yeah. There's not much that can be done, but it's a good it's a good stop start anyway. You know, for you to try and stop, and the other one would be to hand your control your finances over to someone else, um, because that's that's the two things really. You know, you've got money, money, time, and opportunities. The three things that a gambling addict needs to to do some damage. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, man. Well, um, hey. I would like to, uh, we're at the end here, but I would like to thank you for coming on. So I'll give you a little golf clap that we do. Thank you again so much. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, um, give you here a minute to kind of, uh, tell the people, um, who are, you know, struggling with addiction, you know, give them kind of words of hope. Um, so, you know, Tell the people what you would what you would say to someone who's struggling. Yeah, um, I think I think the quote that I, I sort of mentioned at the end of the story is what I'll probably just go with. You know, um, at some point there is no excuse. Either you want to do everything it takes to make it happen, or you don't. And and that stuck with me from early on in my recovery. You know, and and as though it's only been what four odd months since I stopped gambling. You know. I can see a change in myself. Yeah. And recovery is, is possible, but it's hard. It takes work. And the, the people, the, the only person that needs to change is me. 
you know, the gambling industry, as far as I can see, is the same as it was when I was gambling. The person who's made the changes has been me. And uh, that's what's improved my circumstances as it stands now. Awesome. And um, you also mentioned you have a blog. Um, where can people yeah. find more of your of your stuff online? If you follow me on Twitter at russ underscore seven eight nine, um, it's pinned under there, or it's um, Mark's Recovery at Blogspot dot com. Uh, Twitter's probably the easiest one to remember. Awesome. Well, again, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, um, to everyone out there, check out Mark's blog. Um, and also, you know, check out, you know, all of our handles, either on Twitter or Instagram. Um, we have old episodes coming up on YouTube and new episodes coming up on anywhere you find podcasts. But most importantly, uh, stay safe and stay clean. <laughs>